This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Sissoko finally waited. Ericsson, low, great ball into the middle. What a save by Heaton. Tonight's Davison Sanchez, Lucas Moura, and belted into the net, brilliant goal! On debut, Tungay Ondombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London! That is absolutely incredible on debut! I want to mention Nottingham at all. We can touch on it. I'm sorry, started though. But we can we can we can touch touch on it briefly. We can just say that they'll give more on the Nottingham Forest game in the next yeah, one, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yo, people, what's good? Welcome to the New Spurs Order podcast, or better yet, welcome back to the New Spurs Order podcast. Um, I'm on hosting duties this week. It's your boy Tapping Tobes, aka Goldberg, um, and I am joined by Coach P, aka Dave. Yeah, man. Doing? All good, man. All good. A week in the life of. A week in the life of. I think you sure it's all good? good? You sure it's all good? Well, bruv, I've, I've, you know, we're, we're a little bit removed from AC Milan. <clears throat> and I think that that end of season um, kind of just meh has set in. Yeah. So whatever happens from here happens. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Got to focus on getting three points at every opportunity that we can. Um, one game a week, which as as I mentioned in the group chat, um, I don't think we've been able to play more than one game a week for about two years um, because of the quality of the squad. So let's see how we get on moving forward. Do you know what I mean? But we're gonna we're gonna get into um, some of the crap that we've seen over the past um, past ten days or so. Yeah, man, there's, there's there's a lot to there's a lot to talk about. Obviously, um, for those who are listening as well, at the time of recording, Spurs have just come off the back of a, a win, a win against Nottingham Forest. That is our first win in four matches. That is the first game in four that Spurs have managed to actually score. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> but then again, it's against the, literally the worst side in the Premier League when it comes to travelling away from their ground in Nottingham Forest. So take that how you will. Take it with a pinch of salt. If you want to hear more about the Nottingham Forest game, look look ahead to our episode next week where we will break that down in detail but today we're going to talk about some of the general surrounding issues with Tottenham and I I feel like there's no better place to start than Antonio Conte because Mm. I don't know whether you agree with me Dave but I feel like Conte is practically doing everything in his power to entice the board to sack him I feel like you can see it channeled in the performances we see with Spurs. I feel like you can see it channeled in some of the comments he makes in in his post-match conferences. And I feel like you can see that in terms of some of the the fractures that we're seeing in his relationship with players that we thought that he liked, i.e. Richarlison, who we'll touch on later on in the the episode. Like, where do you stand with Conte now? Because we had this... Me and you, we are... We had last this time, yeah. like five weeks ago. It's, it's it's a madness. Last time we we were both on a pod together, um, I said that um, I was giving him till Thursday the 9th of March um, to see what results were. I think we'd just beaten Man City, but then we lost the following game to Leicester um, 4-1. Absolutely packed in. Didn't stand a chance in that game. Didn't even look like we were going to remotely equalise or whatever. Just absolutely out of sorts. Um, but we still had um, the, the... Obviously, we'd gone down 1-0 in the first leg to Milan. Mm-hmm. And I was in a position where I was like, OK, we've got big games coming up, you know, in terms of, you know, two London derbies, both at home. We have the AC Milan um, return leg at home. Mm-hmm. We have a, a, a on-paper, easy FA Cup 
tie. So I'm like, you know, if he does well over those next four to five games, yeah, we're in a good position. And Thursday the ninth would have been obviously the day after the AC Milan game. So I thought, given that run, uh, <clears throat> it's not a transfer window, so we don't we're not in a rush to get rid of him. Um, but if he can navigate through that, obviously he was also um, at the time he was away from the club due to his health issues. Um, Stellini had come in and, and done a you know so so job. Um, well, he, he started to pick up points, um, but I wanted to see where we were at by the ninth. It's now the eleventh, and I can firmly say that I don't want him at the club. I yeah. think his his angling and positioning has made it has put so much doubt in the minds of a fragile squad mm-hmm. that there's no way I can justify fifteen million and. This is, you know, <laughs> not even looking at some of these performances, but just him as a person. And I think, you know, speaking from a coaching perspective, I want my players to trust me. I want every single player who runs out on that pitch from player number one to player number 16, because it's a squad game. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them, I want them to think that I think the high, you know, highly of them or I, I back them, even if their role is 15 minutes at the end of a game. Yeah. Or it out, I want you to come into the midfield, make sure we plug the holes, or I want you to, you know, we need a goal and chase an equaliser. So whatever your role is in the squad, whatever your role is during the game, I want you to have a hundred percent faith that I think you've got what it needs, what 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 it, what it takes. And I think there's probably only about four players in the squad who feel that way. Yeah, and I think Romero's one of them, unjustly, because he's so rash. But he gets away with it. He knows he's going we'll to get picked. We'll talk about him. We'll talk about him. But he knows he's going to get picked. Kane, justifiably. I think Hugo when he was fit. And it was seem Eric Dyer. Oh, and put in the Viking, Hoiberg. Yeah, Hoiberg. I, I would say. Those, I would those, say. Yeah, those five players, if they're available, they, are, they walk into the pitch thinking, he's got my back, I've got his. But the rest of them. I think they can put that for Sun, you know. I think you can put that for some. Yeah, 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 yeah. Obviously, you know, he's been on a horrific run, um, but he's got the games. He's got, but the thing is, not just he's getting games, he's getting 90 minutes. Yeah? yeah. On paper, on paper, it makes sense. Umwin Son is a better footballer for Spurs, I and mean, he's proven himself. He's got enough credit in the bank than all the other options. I get it. But after 55 minutes, when all he's done is five bad touches, a couple, you know, a couple off the ball runs, mm. no end product. He's miss hitting shots. You need to make a difference. Okay. And the thing is, it's a knock on effect. You're not only putting too much trust in Son, but you're also taking away your trust from Danjuma and and the options we got on the bench. Mm. And I think this poor mismanagement over the course of the season, and you could you can go back to Spence, you can go back to um, <clears throat> you know d- different moments in the season when you think, come on, man, make a change. This, you know, looking at Richarlison and the way he's been used, um, this is extended, and so it's put us in a position now that when it's crucial games and we need crucial performances, they're not there. And it's a limited squad as it is. And I'm thinking it doesn't take £15 million a year to work that out. And then he comes out and he's starting chatting all this stuff about, um, what do you say? Uh, I, I, I will die for the club, but at the same time, I'm not stupid. But I would like it's mixed messages. Yeah, it's mixed Very messages. True. It's a potpourri of 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 messaging. Okay, it's like, bruv, where, where are we at? You know, your your, your timeline is all is all over the gaff, and yeah. it can't be easy to be um, a Spurs player. And I'm not trying to give these guys any passes. We'll get onto some individuals in a minute, but yeah, it can't be easy to walk into work every day and think, well, are we up or are we down? Do you know what I mean? Like, where, where am I at? Yeah. You know, and, and I'm putting all this effort in, but I'm not getting any end product. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think you've hit the nail on the head, man. Um, unfortunately for him, he, like, he... The thing is, I've always tried to not let his contract situation cloud my view of him. I've always tried to keep it focused on the job he's doing as a manager. What's your remit as a manager? But I feel like he has sort of used his 
job status and security to add doubt into this team, in my opinion, in recent weeks. Mm. Um, and I feel like obviously he's been he's been out with with his um, recovery from his gallbladder oper- operation. But I just personally feel like the way he speaks, it doesn't speak like a man who is one hundred percent committed to doing the best they can do with this with this club. It speaks to me like a man who wants to be searching for excuses. And there were excuses, there were allowances for you last year. Why? Because you took over a club that were on its knees really really low in quality you only had two signings in january you made it work yeah we could see even when the team wasn't able to play well even when you got dumped up by middlesbrough with no plan b even when you got thrashed three times in the space of two weeks by chelsea the faith was there why because we could see that you're trying to build a method you're trying to establish a way of working with this team and you actively want to, to to make it work with this team and that was reflected in some of the performances he got out of some of our worst players. And I'm nobody's nobody's slamming Conte because you can't get a tune out of Eric Dyer for two years. You can't get a tune out of Davies for two years, right? I think the most alarming thing for me with Conte, uh, on top of some of the ridiculous things that he said over the past week, is the fact that the Spurs are not scoring. Mm. I don't, I, I will not, I'm not blaming, we'll touch on Romero, but using him as an example, nobody blames Conte for Romero doing what he did on his yellow card. Yeah. yeah nobody yeah. blames Antonio Conte for Romero not winning that header against Teo in the first leg. Nobody blames Antonio Conte for that shambolic showing defensively against Leicester. Like these are user led errors, right? But where I blame Antonio Conte on top of the goals is that you set us up in a way that makes it so easy for teams to play against us, which in turn invites so much pressure. Why? (laughs) Teams know how they're going to set up. They cage us in and then we just invite so much pressure. We invite so much pressure on the opposition. So I'm seeing a a, a tactic that's so easy to play against. And now the one positive, the one thing that We've always been able to say about Conte, like the goals, we still score goals. Look at our attack. We still score. We still do this. We still do that. Why am I seeing a team that are st- literally struggling to create pathways into the opposition's box? I look at games against West Ham. We only turn it on in the second half. First half, dead. I look at games against Chelsea. We only turn it on in the second half. First half, dead. I look at AC Land. Not a single sniff of a meaningful opportunity at home or even away up until stoppage time. I'm looking at these games in 2023, especially, and I'm seeing a team that literally struggle to penetrate the opposition when they're in possession. Yeah, I, I feel like um, I feel like Conte has been touched by the ghost of Christmas past. Because um, <clears throat> since Christmas, there's been absolutely nothing um, going forward in terms of any sort of, like I say, attacking intent, um, the creativity has dried up. We we can take chances, and you know we've had minimal opportunity to do that in the, in the games that we have won. But like you said, it's thirty minutes here, it's thirty minutes there, especially even at home. And it's and it's disappointing to see that because <laughs> even though we all complain about the the standard of some of these players, there there should be more than enough quality to be able to carve out chances against. Um, Sheffield United. There should be more than enough quality to carve up chances against Leicester. Um, there should be enough quality to to largely dominate the West Ham game for you know 70, 80 minutes, not just playing for 45. And I think that's where the frustration comes because it's like, okay, you know, yes, you're going to have errors in your team because you've got the likes of a Ben Davies, Longley, um, obviously Hugo before he got injured. You're going to have errors, you know, and there is no transfer window to save you and you can get players out. We're not getting players out. We're not good at that traditionally. We hold on to them for so long. Um, So attack has to be the best form of of defence. It makes no sense to me when you've got all these defensive errors, like stockpiling over the years before you and during your tenure to then base your whole thing about being the ultra-defensive so look, you just have to get the ball high out of the pitch. You have to play away from your goal. You have to, you know, 
give your attackers enough opportunities to go two goals up, three goals up. Do you know what I mean? So if, if worse comes to worse and something goes a bit wrong, our, our defending from a set piece or we give away a penalty, there's a handball here. If something goes wrong, you've got the cachet in the back. But the problem is we, we set up so negatively and it then get exposed and, and there's an error or, you know, Hoiberg decides not to tackle like a defensive midfielder in this, um, uh, was it in the Sheffield United game? And all of a sudden you're one nil down. Now you're trying to chase the game when you've got 12 minutes left. Yeah. And you can't get out of the pitch because, you know, you, you spent the whole game not doing that. And I think it's just, it's, for me, going back to what you said about him himself, again, as like I said, coaching is all about trust. And for me, he came in talking big smack talk about you must suffer. You must be ready to die. You must do this. You must do that. 100%. You know, um, I need my players to run through five brick walls and, and yada, 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 yada. Okay, great. Bruv, you got to start from the front. You've got to man, you've got to show us that yourself. And he's kind of given the air of someone who is ready to distance himself and say, well, I did everything I could. This is not on me. And I feel like, you know, for you know, cross sport reference, um, for anyone who watches American sports, you know, I'm in, into my NBA, NFL. They always say, especially with the NFL, the quarterbacks, you will get all the criticism when you lose. And you are supposed to defer all the praise when you win. Conte, if Conte had adopted that in, in the recent weeks and said, it's all my fault or, you know, I haven't got the players ready or, you know, I think there'll be a bit more, you know, uh, of an accommodating feel. But it's the fact that he's been quite distant and quite negative and just, you know, um, fans need to, you know, I don't know why fans are impatient. Bruv, we're impatient because we've got a billion dollar stadium. Um, high ticket prices or whatever. We've got one one of the world's best strikers in our team and we haven't won a trophy since 2008. Like we're not we're not saying when we're, we're we should be winning the league every year and and competing at the back in the Champions League, but we are saying that we should be able to go to Sheffield United on a Wednesday night and be able to put them away in the first 60 70 minutes of a game. And if we can't do that, you cannot blame us for being impatient. And I think that's where he's alienating a lot of people. So, like I said, Thursday night, I said, you know what? Yeah. I mean, I think I, I think I actually said in a group chat before that, I said, Tobes, bruv, forget my timeline. I'm done. I think it was after Sheffield that I was like, I'm done. But then seeing the Wolves performance and then seeing um, AC Milan, actually seeing AC Milan in person, being at the stadium, row three, um, you know, rainwater lashing down, um, making a couple of appearances on BT Sport, apparently. Um See, being there, and the best part of the game was hanging out with Yao um, at halftime. That's just a shocker, mate. I think I think that AC Milan game, the AC Milan game, and Wolves, and even the Sheffield United game, perfectly encapsulates what's going wrong with Antonio Conte right now, for all different reasons. Because you can look at a game like Sheffield United. And Sheffield United, where Spurs had majority of the ball, majority of the attempts, but didn't really look like scoring. Why? Because they did not. <laughs> there was not really, there wasn't really that commitment to actually break teams down. There wasn't really that understanding on how to break teams down. You look at Wolves. You look at Wolves. Much better performance in the first half, but couldn't mm. get, couldn't get the goal. And then in the second half, when you see the game is going away from you, too reactive. You wait, 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 wait until it's too late to actually make your proactive changes. And then AC Milan is a combination of the two. <laughs> Poor performance. Toothless first half. That game, bear in mind, we're 1-0 down on, on, on aggregate. We yeah. only had two attempts in the first half. We only had two attempts in the first half. We had nine attempts the entire game. Now, I don't... One, I'm not saying that Spurs should be getting 20 to 30 a game, but you would think, you would think that a side that are one nil down needing to score two at home should be looking to put more pressure than we did on AC Milan. AC Milan had a jolly up in the first half. It's it's for me. It's not even about how many. Yeah, it is. I'm sorry. It's about how many shots. 
it's just about speed of play. Just jolly up, bro. Just have a bit of zip. Have yeah. a bit of urgency. Have you know, and when Poro came on, that, that kind of changed things for us and whatnot. But the only urgency we seemed to have was to pick up yellow cards. And yeah. I, I was like, what is going on? Like, why why are you flying into that tackle? But then when you're on the ball, Romero, you're taking five years to, to choose, you know, which pass you're gonna make in. And you know, sideways, 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 forward, you know, five yards, back ten yards, back to Forster, out to Royale, back to Romero. It's just boring for a team that needs to score two. Yeah. You need to score two. Regardless of what happens, you at least need to score two goals, and you've had two or three games where you haven't scored. So, like, if anything, that first 20 minutes, you're at home, it's a call. Oh, stick it on them, bro. Stick it on them. You get, it's crazy. Like you said, no zip, no no high-octane performance. Not even, like, even when we were attacking, even when we were attacking and we're trying to play higher up, you're not really committing that many players to the attack. It just, everything is just so dysfunctional. Then if, if even if you look at it from a... From a from a tactical perspective as well, Sun coming deep doing the same things over and over again. Sun was Sun was diabolical in that game. Mm. But oh. if I ask you, if if I told you that your top goal scorer in the Premier League of last season didn't even have a shot, didn't even have a shot on or off target in ninety minutes in a crunch Champions League game where you need to score, what would you say to me? Bro, you told me that you I didn't even know that was the case. Yes, bro. He only had one shot and it was blocked. This is a guy who who's who's whose expertise is exclusively in the final third, and he didn't <laughs> even have a single shot on or off target. He only had one shot from a what from a and large from the from from long distance, and it was a speculative shot that was blocked. And this is my thing: when when you see that happening as a manager after sixty minutes. Don't you want to do something to change that? Don't you want to do something to... to if you're going to keep him on and play in 90 minutes or whatever, where's your change, whether it be tactically or personnel, that says, all right, and, and this is... It communicates trust. Bruv, you know, I'm, I'm obviously I'm nowhere near Conte's level of experience or, you know, tactical um, flexibility or whatever, but, like... The amount of times you just turn to your left winger or your right winger and say, bruv, this change is for you. This is to get you involved in the game. Right, what's happening? You know what? Yeah, I'm going to bring this player on. He's going to help take, take some of the um, the burden off from you. Or, you know, I'm going to make this change. I'm going to move into this position. Hey, yeah. next five minutes, this is what I want. Guys, we're going for just something. Nah, you just want to, you know, it's let crazy. the game drift. It doesn't make sense. And the thing is, like, it's not like we're asking Conte to do an impossible job here, right? Because if I look, if I if I read his post-match, some of his post-match um, quotes from that day, right? So he said, he said, so, so this is after beating, this is after AC Milan knocked us out. He said, in terms of history, these two clubs are on totally different levels. Milan won the Serie A title last season, whereas we scraped through to the top four by a miracle. If people think 13 to 14 months is to is enough to become competitive, they are completely wrong. And that's what I mean by trying to cover his own back. Like, mm. you would think from what Conte is saying here that Spurs fans think that we have a divine right to beat Ace Man. No, we think and we feel that we should be at least scoring against, even if we don't win at least be scoring against AC Milan who had shipped five to Sassuolo at home who had shipped three to Inter Milan yeah because that's that's the next question that's the next question does Sassuolo have more history than Spurs do Fiorentina have more history than Spurs and and does history put the put the ball in the back of the flipping net it's crazy he he wants to talk about Milan winning a um, Serie A they are miles off the Serie A right now they have the AC Milan What's crazy is AC Milan are probably the equivalent of Tottenham in the Serie A, yeah. right genuinely. And what I mean by that is they have been in free fall in several matches. They have the I think uh, I need to double check this, but they they either have the worst or second worst defense of any top ten side in the league in the Serie A this season. We are talking about a side who have lost four of their last seven league matches. 
heading into that Spurs game. So this is a side who got the fear of God put into them by Fiorentina. If mm-hmm. I gave you Fiorentina's starting eleven, you would struggle to name even half the team. Genuinely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And th- I don't say this to, to look like a snob. I say this to say that with the tools that Conte has been given, he cannot come out and then make this statement about expecting to be competitive. No, brother, we expect you to be competitive with the players you have versus the players AC Milan have. Especially, especially when that same team has gone in for 45 minutes, played Chelsea off the park. When that team has gone toe-to-toe with Man City, and been able to, again, in the first game, yes, we lost 4-5-2, whatever it was, we were able to score two goals against Man City at the Etihad. We were able to score, you know, against them at, at home and keep them out. Do you know what I mean? And win the game. We, we on our day, we can. Yes, it may be luck. Yes, maybe a bit of fortune, whatever the case may be, in some of our play, whatever. But again, the, at the very least, Spurs fans ask for urgency, a bit of fight, a bit of determination. Do you mean and the fact that we got players just walking around the pitch, flinging limbs at, at errant balls, and um, misplaced passes galore, no sort of attacking pattern or whatever doesn't look like we're close to scoring. Um, until the last five minutes when we were down to 10 men and Harry Kane had that chance. Um, that's that's embarrassing. There's there's okay, we went out. You know, if we'd gone out full out and just tried to get, you know, all right, we go out and then they hit us on the counter and yeah. you know, we lose 2 1 or one of those things, we probably we wouldn't mind it. But it's the fact that it was so tepid and devoid of any sort of energy, you cannot excuse that. And that's not about Tottenham, that's football. That's football. You cannot excuse a lack of energy and a lack of impetus in the in the Champions League um, round of 16 game. That cannot be excused. Hundred percent, and so, you know, you know, you know what, you know why. Like, uh, and people say, uh, I just want to test this theory here because I watched the Chelsea team the day before that Tottenham beat two 0 comprehensive, yeah, yeah, and yeah. we didn't even. I don't even think we played well against Chelsea. I just thought they were there for the take, and we did enough to win. Yeah, yeah we yeah, were the better yeah, side yeah. of the day. We did enough to win, right? So I'm watching a team that you and your your staff beat two 0 at our ground, the same ground that you're playing AC Milan. I'm watching that same team who had scored one goal in the entire month of February. I saw, <laughs> that, I saw that team pepper one of the most informed sides in Europe in 2023. Dortmund, Borussia Dortmund ha- had not lost a game in 2023 prior to Chelsea. We're talking wow. about a team that were sat in 10th at the time they were playing Dortmund. And they peppered Dortmund. And... I, Pepper, you know what? Pepper is an exaggeration, but the point I'm making no, is... No, 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 but energy-wise and impotent-wise, all over them. All over them. They gave Dortmund the ball. If you if Dortmund won the ball, fine. Chelsea said, you can have the ball, but when we attack, we're going to attack. We're going to go for the goal every single time we go forward and commit players forward. And bear in mind, this is a team that have struggled to score goals for months. This is a team without Harry Kane, without Son, without Richarlison, without Dan Juma, without Kulisewski. This is a team with a new manager who wasn't managing them last season. This is a team with a, a struggling manager. How is rookie, he able... A rookie Champions League manager. Exactly. How is his, he his able previous, to... His previous experience was Ostersund's in, in the Europa League. How is he How is he able to G his team up and convey the message and the importance and the intensity required for the game, but world-renowned, world-class, 15 million quid a year, Antonio Conte can't, against a side who are probably similar in terms of the level of quality. In fact, no, Borussia Dortmund on form have been much better than AC Milan in 2023. Oh, yeah. Much better. Hands down. Much better. And and we have been much better than Chelsea, considering. Exactly. In 2023. Exactly. So, but I guess it's history that scores two goals. Mate, it doesn't make sense. And then, and then Conte again, press conference on Friday night talking about how the fans have lost have lost patience. Right, basically saying that um, he asked for time, he asked for patience, and stuff like that. And I think he made a comment around how. What did he say? He made a comment around how um, how just because his name is Conte does not mean that it's a God given right to win. It takes time. It takes time. Yeah. 
that's what he's trying to say. But again, there is no divine right to win. There are only four trophies that Spurs can win each season. Well, I say can win. There are only four trophies that Spurs, is it four or three? FA Cup, League uh, Cup yeah, League. four that we're competing four. for. Yeah, so four that Spurs are, are are in. We know that we can't compete for the Premier League. We know that nobody expects him to win the league. We expect you to build on what you did last year, which is finish finish third, or if you're gonna if you're gonna finish, or don't finish outside the top four, right? FA Cup again, no divine right to win. But when you play Portsmouth, Preston. Sheffield United, and had we had beaten Sheffield United, you would have played Blackburn. That represents a fantastic opportunity to get into a semi-final of a competition that you've not been in for coming up to five years now. That is, that is without a doubt, that is the, this, this set of fixtures that we've had this year is the best chance we've ever had in recent years to get into yeah. FA Cup semi-final. We, we won't have it as easy. You didn't even play a single Premier League side. It was all championship or league one. Yep. So there is nowhere on earth he can seriously expect that Spurs fans should accept going out to, to a C-string, a C-string Sheffield United that made eight changes, a championship side who made eight changes just because we hadn't won trophies in the past. There's no way on earth surely he can believe that. No way. And, he and can't. He can't believe that. Yeah, man, like I said at the beginning of the pod, I was in, I was in a good space, but now I'm thinking about it. It's you, crazy. You, this is like trauma. This is this is uncovered how I felt a couple of days ago. I can't believe some of the stuff he that's coming out of his mouth. I cannot believe the dross that is coming out. Um, to be able to say stuff like that when, like you said, you know, our, our FA Cup one, that that's not a okay. We don't have a divine right to win the FA Cup, but give it a bloody go. Give it a go. You know, turn around and and again, it's the confidence thing. You say to your players. You lot haven't won in so long, right? Some of you have been close. You've been to, at the top of the mountain and then slid down, right? This is where you turn around and you say, okay, I trust you, man. I'm going to give you 65 minutes to put this tie away and get us into the next round, okay? If I need to use Lucas Moore for whatever um, God only knows reason, cool. If I need to use... Um, any one of these, you know, low-rate players, okay, whatever. Sanchez, Disco Dave himself. I need to do that, cool, fine. But that'll be after my guys finish the job. This is after my guys do the job and get the points, uh, not points, we'll get us through to the next round by scoring a couple goals, having a comfortable game, and then we put our feet up for 30 minutes, for, for 25 minutes, for 20 minutes, whatever. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. No, we've got all the scrubs who ain't played in three, four months, who shouldn't be playing, who shouldn't be at the club, who are actually preparing to leave. Lucas Moore is probably house hunting in Flamengo. <laughs> like, yeah. and, and, and we're here giving him minutes. I can't, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. And true to form, Lucas Moore had the boneheaded game that we expected. You know, we're not dumb. I mean, Spurs fans are not stupid. Okay, some of them are. But, you know, like, we we know football enough to know that Lucas Moore has passed any sort of prime. And even in his prime, he wasn't the most reliable person. Yes, he gave us, um, you know, a wonderful moment that we all enjoyed. Ajax, it whatever. was one good season, and that was it. Right. We've, we've had Ajax. All this. I get it. But <laughs> he talks about history, right? He talks about Ace Milan have got all this history. But I'm sure you only picked Lucas Moore because of his history at the club. Because you cannot tell me that Dan Juma, from the even the eight-minute highlights you've seen, whatever, is not a better option than Lucas Moore right now to start I'm, that Sheffield United game. I'm going to make a bold statement here. I need to fact-check it. But just based off my historical knowledge, 
I'm pretty sure that's the first time in about eight, nine years that Milan have made the last eight of the European, um, the Champions League. Yes, it's, it's, I'm, it's I'm, I'm seeing, I'm, I'm seeing um, um, articles like AC Milan back in the big time, AC Milan back in this, back in that. Bruv, recent history, that club's been trash. Then we ain't seen them in those semi-finals. We're not seeing them at, at the higher echelon. No chance. Do you mean they they are as they've been falling apart just like their stadium is? So what are we doing giving them a free pass into the next round? Because you can't be bothered to to let go of your stubborn you know, pattern of play and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, people talking about the seminal moment in in the tie when he brought on Sanchez, um, obviously after the red card, took off Kulisevsky and brought on Sanchez, even though we need a goal. Stuff like that, man. Never understand it. Um, he's got to go. Well, I think it's the writing's on the wall. I think he, you know, he is yeah, going. He knows, he knows. Dan, Dan Levy, I don't think he's going to necessarily hold on because it is, it is still a risk, you know, because I think the quality of these players, even with a new manager bounce or whatever, with only 11 things to go, I, I, I think if we had lost and, you know, if, if they're not in the forest, um, result and not gone to plan and, and maybe if we lost to Southampton or whatever then maybe have a decision to make in the international break um, but obviously we're plus we're plus three mm. so I don't I don't see there being an imminent decision but I wouldn't have been mad if on Thursday morning um, heading to work I had something else to talk about apart from my short appearances on BT Sport <laughs> I think <laughs> I think with, um, with with this though for me, it's like I don't really see this getting better, and I feel no. like if he, I feel like if he gets top four, it's by it's by default, right? The table doesn't lie. The table doesn't lie. So Spurs are fourth. Why? Because Spurs have won more than the teams that are below them. It doesn't mean that Spurs are a better are a better side than some of these teams. It means that Spurs have accumulated more points, right? Mm. But I think what's a, what's also Aiden Tottenham is literally a prime example, as we always see with the top four race. The top four race is a case of who can f up the least, really. Yeah. And as you saw with Liverpool today, Liverpool had they had beaten Bournemouth e- even with half the amount of goals that they put past Bournemouth at home, they would be fourth right now. Oh, sorry, they they would have been fourth momentarily before we had played on goal difference. And now they put pressure on our players, which. Right about now, do you know what I mean? We don't know how they would have responded. Exactly. So, yeah. but, so, so my thing is, if he gets top four now, it's what I expected, and it's by default because I feel like the teams around us are not able to capitalize on how poor we are being. But if I look at our general level this season, it is not being good enough. And when I talk about Conte moving on. I genuinely believe a, a new manager in the interim can do more with the squad than Conte. It doesn't mean that the squad's perfect. We know that we know that the squad needs culling. But m- me personally, I don't think this is a bad group of players. I think it has bad individuals, but I do not believe this is a bad group of players. And I certainly believe that this team are more than capable of playing better than results and performances have shown in 2023. I really believe that. There's no way on earth anyone can convince me that our attack is this poor. Yes, Kulisewski's been shit in, since he's since he's come back from his injury. Son has been stinking out the joint all season. Richarlison hasn't scored a single Premier League goal. I understand that attackers are faltering, but it is the responsibility of a manager to get the players playing to a good standard and get the put the players in their best position to succeed. Yeah, and, on and, the and last that's time, case case in point is today. Case in point today was Son. You know, so he didn't have the best best game, but he looked definitely more comfortable. Not having Perisic, hot, you know, holding up all them positions that he usually does, um, and I'm sure the lads were expounding it, you know, for the, for next week's ep- episode. But just put your players in better positions. You know, you can't you can't expect your your you know golden boot winner last year to score double digit goals when on average we're playing in our own half all the time. Yeah. Our starting positions are whack. He's got to run halfway down the pitch to even get 
goal scoring opportunities. I mean, we're not playing high up the pitch. We're not dominating. dominating we're not even giving him the ball. We're not even giving him the ball in areas where he can get off. He can do damage. He, he's running 10 yards away from the opposition's goal with his back to goal with a six foot four centre um centre back on his on you know right you know up up against him and he's making that run, receiving the ball and then we're like, oh do something. And he's like, well okay, I'll pass it to the, the nearest player who happens to be Dyer or whatever. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and the thing is the thing is for those who are listening, I don't want it to to be like I don't want people to misconstrue the words being said here, right? We are speaking on content because the, the the aim of today's episode is to assess the job he is doing as a manager, right? You've already mentioned it and you've alluded to it now. Getting a new manager does not completely transform this Spurs side. It gives us an yeah. uplift, but there is a cap on that uplift because fundamentally we have a mismatch of profiles and we have players that have performed well below their standard this season. And on top of that, we have some players that are just unplayable. Sai has mentioned them and alluded to them in the WhatsApp chat. They, we have, like, it's very, <laughs> like, it, for a team that are trying to do what we're trying to do, trying to chase top four, you want to use every player available. But there are certain players in this squad that we literally cannot use because as soon as they even put one foot on the pitch, it's chaos. Mm. But you actually made a really good point earlier on, on, like, and I, and I liken it to, what Muggers say about about Ten Hag, right? You t- you spoke about players not playing for for Yonks and then just being thrusted in on under a, a very disjointed approach and just uh, just expected to perform with no rhythm, no etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I don't think, yeah, Conte has been able to replicate what Ten Hag has done this this year in terms of his squad management because I've heard it on Mugger all the time on how Ten Hag doesn't rate a lot of these Man United players. He don't rate these men. <laughs> the Mugger guys have been clear. He don't rate these man. He don't rate Bissaka, right? He don't rate Maguire. He doesn't rate these guys. But he ha- he balances being ruthless with understanding that these players could still have a part to play. He doesn't ostracize them to the point where when they come on the pitch, they feel like they can do, they can do, they they can't do anything right. He gives them the opportunity to say, "Hey, look, okay, I'm not in favor, but." When I'm going to come in here, the manager believes that I can come in and, and do do my job to the best of my ability. Yeah. I don't see that with Antonio Conte of our squad. And I want to pivot onto the Richarlison comments as well, because he obviously had this controversial interview, right? And there's, there's two sides to it. So I'm going to give the side that links in with the point I'm making here. If that interview was done by Basuma, Danjuma, Gil, Pape Matassar, Jed Spence, Oli Skip, Nobody, nobody would have any, any, any argument against it. And I don't, I'm not trying to say that to protect Richardson. I'm trying to say that to say yeah, that yeah, his, point, his point could be applied to at least seven, eight other players in the squad. I don't think if you were to ask Man United players about their season, they could say that about Ten Hag. I don't think they can say that. So why can these players say that about Conte? It tells me that his, his, him and his team haven't managed our squad enough. Well enough, but I want you to talk about the other aspect of Richardson's interview, right? <laughs> because I hear it, I hear, I actually hear it. Bruv, I just think you got to pick your battles, and right now, yes, I understand you're frustrated, but I think for me, the, the tipping point in the Richardson narrative was the Sheffield United game. He had a, maybe two chances, and he, and he, you know, shanked one completely. But for me, it's the lack of energy, lack of effort. And I said this about Deli Ali when he was going through his his um, slump. I've said this about other players. <clears throat> Where is the intrinsic motivation from within to prove a point? Because you can chat big, but when you're going up against Sheffield United, you came up. You know, you you faltered. And even when he came on the pitch in the AC Milan game, body language was a bit all off. Um, Just wanted to kind of pick fights and whatever. Um, Wasn't really playing amongst the team, that kind of thing. 
And I'm like, that's probably not the moment to then come out and be talking the way you're talking, brother. Now, he was, quote-unquote, rewarded with a start against Nottingham Forest. Did Had a really good game, in my opinion. Um, Should have got the goal. Goal was ruled offside, but whatever. But I just feel like it's this time, place, opportunity, okay? My mother used to say that to me. She used to say, all a man needs is time, place, and opportunity, okay? She was talking about something else, but hey. Um, and he had the time, he had the place, and he took the opportunity to isolate himself from the team. And that's the danger he runs, that he can turn around and go, because Son could turn around and be like, my season's been, you know, whatever. Son could come out and say half the things that Richarlison said. Do you think he can, though? Because Son has been picked. I think the point... Okay, yeah. Point... Okay, yeah, yeah. So, in that sense, no. Okay, Son has been picked. But in terms of reflecting on your progress... Yeah. Yeah. You've been abysmal, both of you. Um, And I guess, maybe that feeds into, if I'm being balanced, that feeds into the Charleston's point. The guy on the other side is playing whack and getting picked. I'm playing whack and I'm getting benched. Maybe that's his point. I, I could see that. But I just felt like after everything that was going on, it's a terrible night in the lane. It's raining, it's sleet, it's snow, whatever. You just gotta pick your moments, bruv. You've gotta you gotta wait. You can't you can't come out with that much intensity so soon because it does make it feel like you are now all about yourself. Yeah. Um, that's the danger. Yeah. And for no, a man out of form. I think, that, I think that's fair. I think that part is fair. Very selfish. Yeah, you just gotta be, you just gotta read the room. Read the room. And and both both him and Conte do the same. <laughs> both him and Conte are the same in the sense that the next day Conte comes out and gives us almost a similar type of selfish, all about me, you know, deflecting when I can, but at the same time, you know, putting myself in the limelight in, in some areas type type statement. So yeah, they're both probably peas from the same pod, but um mm. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna ask you a question before we wrap up, right? I'm gonna ask you a question because like you we we already know the writing is on the wall. Conte will go, whether yeah. he's sacked before the season ends or whether he lets his or whether they let him see out his contract, Conte is not gonna be our manager next season. Mm. If you were Daniel Levy, what would you do? Would you wait until the summer where some of the so-called up-and-coming project managers are a bit more available and make a play for them then, such as, I'll give examples, like I think Amarin's been linked, Sport are not going to let him go now. Deserby's been linked, Brighton, no chance they're going to let him go now. Um, Thomas Frank been linked, no chance he's going to go. Even Steve Cooper, who nobody wants. I don't want Steve Cooper. They're not going to let him go now, especially in the relegation battle. So it seems like a bunch of the names that are being mentioned that that Steve Cooper aside, because I don't think he's good enough for the job, um, it seems like they could potentially be a decent fit at the club in terms of building a project around. They're not available now. So you're going to have to wait until the end of the season to get them. If you're Daniel Levy, do you wait and try and get this type of manager? Or do you bring in someone now permanently? In fact, I'll give you three options. Do you wait until the end of the season, keep Conte? Do you sack Conte, put in an interim in until the end of the season? Or do you sack Conte and put in a permanent a permanent manager? And the permanent managers that I think we've seen linked, obviously, one is Maurizio Pochettino. Mm. And the other is Luis Enrique. And then you've got loose links to people like Thomas Tuchel. Luis Enrique is being managed by Spain, but he hasn't got a club. You can easily, if you really wanted to, you could probably go out and get a Luis Enrique. If you wanted to, you can go out and get a Pochettino. If you wanted to, you could go out and get a Thomas Tuchel, even though I don't actually want Tuchel at Spurs. But I'm going to start up talking and I'm going to give you the power. What would you pick? It's an interesting one. The uh, first thing I'll do is phone Luis Enrique and see what he's saying. Do you think he could work at Spurs? I see. I, I thought this a few years ago. Um, I think it was before he went to Spain. Um, it might have been, or maybe maybe even earlier than that. 
I, I've just always liked the way um, he he's taken on certain projects and and done well, even in the face of quite heavy criticism from like Spanish media or Barcelona media, or whatever. Um, you know, he's not Pep, so you know Barcelona will always you know kind of measure him against you know Pep's golden years and whatnot. Um, but obviously, you know, he had a lot of talent in, in his team and he, he did very well. Um, I, I think he can work. And I think out of all the options mentioned, I think he is the best option personally. Um, just because I'm I'm looking at these other coaches, and, and I'll, I will get to your question, but I'm looking at these other coaches like like um, De Derby at Dan and Brighton or T- Thomas Frank. Project managers, great, whatever. One, I think our dressing room, as weak they are mentality-wise on the pitch, I think they're strong enough as a dressing room that they can make it quite a tough place for you to work if results aren't going away, if they're they're not a fan of you. And I think we've seen that with manager after manager. And if the season pans out how we think it's going to, and we've got Champions League next year, etc., etc., we're going to need a manager with experience of managing four competitions. These, These project guys don't know how to do that. So I think this is a step too far for some of them. Now, they may thrive, but we are not in a position to take that risk. We can't do what Arsenal did and take a risk on Arteta and have two and a half years kind of in the doldrums, yet still picking up a trophy, okay, and go from there. Because we don't have a Saka coming through. We don't have the the best players in our team are getting older. (laughs) You know, we've only got a very small window to hit at the same time as we've got so many players to get out. So I think Luis Enrique is a stronger character and a better character to hit the ground running. I give him a call. He probably tells me I'm not coming till the summer. So then I turn around and say, Conte, you've got it for the next 11 games, right? But I've got you on a very short leash and at any given moment, caretaker's coming in. And who would you put as a caretaker? Please don't say mates rates, please. Well, that's the thing. I would hate it to be that oh. mates rates donut. Um, who's even at the club? <laughs> so it's like, give it Yaya. Give it Yaya. Give it, give it Yaya and Jermaine. <laughs> and have Ledley, um, you know, like the bald guy that does all the subs and stuff like that. Have oh, Ledley yeah. on that, Jermaine. Yeah. I, listen, bruv, that's, that's the thing. You can't bring in a it's too late to bring in a high profile interim. You can't bring in Poch as an interim for, for 10 games. You've got to hire him permanently. That's the thing. You've got to hire him. Like, if you're going to bring someone like that, you got to, he's got to be the guy. And you're not going to negotiate with Brighton to get the Zerbi just for 10 games. Like, whoever's interim, the drop off between Conte and them is too big. So the interim thing actually is not really a, an idea. So let me ask you a question then. Let me ask you, let me ask you two more questions. Yeah. So sorry about this, but that's all good. On on the on the so on Poch, so you said Enrique, so you wouldn't consider sacking Conte now and getting Poch. What's your reasoning behind that? Because we've got 11 games left, we've got a six-point cushion Mm -hmm. between us and the next team. We've Mm -hmm. got to play some of those teams. Um They've all got to play harder schedules than we have, and none of them have shown me that they're going to be a consistent enough threat over the next 11 games to really give us the race that we did. Now, um, I say this now, and... I think Liverpool uh, can, but they're poor. You're right, but they're poor. But they're now... So, yes, okay. (laughs) The way the fixtures work, I think they'll have two games in hand by the next time they play. Okay? They are six points behind us. But at the same time as they can slap up Man United 7-0, they can also lose 1-0 to Bournemouth. We have to play them, albeit at Anfield. But they've also got, I think they've got Chelsea and I think they may have Arsenal. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> at any given point, we know that that team can draw or whatever. Like, it's not, I don't see them running us 10 games. So I feel like it's almost like too little too late. If this was January and they were in this position then I'd probably be a bit more worried because you've got 17 games ahead and at any given point, they could run off maybe seven games in a row. But we we use a lot of stats today. You know, AC Milan stats, whatever this one, you know, Son stats, whatever. Tottenham have won five out of the last seven Premier League games. 
which is nuts when you actually deep how poor we've been in some so ex yeah so extend that over the next 11 that's winning what eight out of 11 i'm sure if we win eight out of 11 games i'm sure we'll, we'll be there or thereabouts it's a tall order. It's a tall order. It is a tall order. I'm just saying, in terms of... I get what you mean. I get what you yeah, mean. Yeah. It's, if you're looking at it from a statistical black and white level, uh -huh. yeah, the only issue is you then look on a second level and you say, right, how many of those games are at home? Only five are, I think. Five out of the 11. Six yeah. are away. And sometimes just back-to-back -back away games. Exactly. And I think the one point on the away games is the teams literally around us will go into their domain. So we yeah. have to go to Saint. We have to go to Saint James Park, and we have to go to Anfield. That's and not and no Brighton's at home, Brighton's at our ground, and United's are our ground. Um, we've already played Fulham. We've already played um, and, and Brentford, who are obviously they're not really in the race, but they're in the top eight. They come to our ground, so we've got two away in Anfield and um, Saint James. Saint James, and then we've got um, two or three at home. Bearing in mind, we've already played Man City, we've already played Arsenal, we've already played Chelsea. Right? And bearing in mind, St. James and Anfield are not easy places to go any day, let alone... Let alone exactly, let alone when there's something on the line. Yeah. So, my second question to you, and that's a fair point, that's a fair point. I only mentioned because with Poch, it's, it's, it's divided. Me, personally, I would rather see a new face than Pochettino. Personally, because oh, yeah. I, I don't believe in, I don't believe that managers should go back. I don't, me personally, I don't like that. And I don't think, obviously Spurs are spending more money and we've changed a couple of players, but I don't think since Pochettino has left, Spurs have actually done what he was asking for, which is reset this team. Now, I don't want him to come back into the same environment that let him down, but if I look at the if I look at the pros, there's so many pros for getting Pochettino back, in my opinion. He is a he is a guy who you basically built a project with before. He is a guy who works with young players. You're signing more young players. He is a guy who can get the best out of players that aren't that aren't operating at the level you want. Like he is someone who is who galvanizes the 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 the, the dressing room. So he's got his positives and he already has club ties he has the affinity with Spurs and I feel like he would probably need the least amount of time to get to get things going but again they say don't go back and that actually plays in the back of my mind so I can understand that one my next question to you is this <laughs> my next sorry my next question is the is the other aspect right um I can't remember what you mentioned god I literally had it in my head now now I've lost it I lost my trailer thought uh god i lost my train of thought that's pissing me off <laughs> <laughs> that's peeing me off um i'm trying to remember what my question was yeah sorry so this is my second question so you made the point around how we were not like arsenal we can't afford to be in the doldrums for like two or three years but then do you not feel like that's almost what's hindered spurs and what i mean by that is getting a new manager and basically embarking on a reset doesn't necessarily mean that we basically strip everything away from day one and Spurs have to be in mid-table, right? But if we are going to go through a steady transition, then if we were to bring in a, a, an up-and-comer who we can build around, then surely we should try and soften, and I say we, I mean the board, should try and soften the expectations of the team just for the sake of actually weeding out the bad players over the course of two to three years and instilling a DNA, a culture, a way of playing, um, a, a, style, a specific profile player that the club signs, embedding all of those things, do you not feel like the expectation should be loosened to a certain extent? Like Man United, for instance, they spent 250 million and my expectation was you have to get top four. But when I spoke to a lot of United fans in the summer, they didn't care how much they spent. They didn't care. They said, Ten Hag, they don't really care too much about top four. If they get top four, great. If they don't get top four, it's not the end of the world. It's all about getting them back to a side that they can recognise. So do you feel like that should be Spurs' aim? Well, but the thing is, you're, you're picking out all these teams that have a, <laughs> I hate this word again, history yeah, of, of winning. winning. Like, they've not gone on a 15-year drought. 
they've not, you know, I mean, Man United haven't won the Prem in 10 years or whatever, but they won the Europa League. They've been in and around finals. They've been in and around, you know, situations where they could have won silverware. Like, we are not that team. So, yes, maybe those clubs can go, all right, you know what? 250, 300, he's spent it. Let's see how it pans out. Oh, we're now in the title race. Oh, we're now third. Oh, we're not. And, and they, oh, we've won a Carabao Cup. I'm sure Man United fans weren't going this season when he Champions League qualification and a Carabao Cup. Mm. No, I'm sure that's not what they were going for. But they've got it by osmosis because, yes, they have spent 250 million and they've got a culture in the club where when it clicks, they can go on these runs, start picking up points, start picking up momentum. Bang, they've got a trophy. We have none of that. Going back to Poch, won't bring that back, won't bring it, okay? Because we all know his relationship with the domestic cups. Going, obviously, sticking with Conte beyond this year, I, I think the, the bridge has been burned. Um, and I think bringing in a, a top manager, don't know whether Enrique would be classed as a world-class manager, but a top manager who can oversee the quick kind of, you know, wax on, wax off, just... Right, Dyer, Sanchez, Davies, you're out. Have we got money for um, Vardio and Indica or whoever it is? Do you know what I mean? Are we going? Like bang, 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 bang. We've spent two fifty. We've generated one twenty. There's a bit mm-hmm. of a loss, but we're now in the position. Haven't qualified for the Champions League because of what Antonio did last season. We're now in the position where we can just start refreshing things. Every transfer window, people are leaving the club, okay? Because I don't think the issue is about the spending. We've been spending money. We've seen the stats. We've spent money. The issue is, the, and I'll say this, and I'll keep saying it until these players are out of the club, the gap between our best player and our worst player in any one of our 11s that we pick is too big. And because that gap is too big, all things continued or all things continued, whatever, you know, um, we aren't able to get any momentum because at any given point, the worst players can let us down and the best players may not have a good game and that brings our overall level down and we're in the situations that we find ourselves in. Sheffield United, Wolves away, AC Milan at home, three games, no goals, probably only about two shots on target per game. It's embarrassing and I think we need to move quicker. Like I said, we don't have a two-year window where we can take that risk while spending money. We're going to need to move as quick as we can because Newcastle on their way, Liverpool will be back, Chelsea will be back. We know that these teams have the capacity to go on these runs where they're spending money and they're getting, you know, getting results. So if we are to establish ourselves in the position that we're in, we have to move real quick. Fair, Fair enough. Uh, to me personally, I feel like Spurs need to strike the balance of both. I, I would be more than willing to loosen. Um, to be honest, I don't really have like um, amazingly high expectations of the team, but I'd be willing to loosen my expectation of any manager who comes into the club next. But I would also want to see the club actively strive to improve the quality of the team because. Um, like Sai alluded to the other day, I don't think we'd be starting at a, with a bad base. Like when I, I liken it, like when Arteta took over the job at Arsenal, I thought he was working with a terrible squad. I don't think the next manager at Spurs is coming into a terrible squad. I really don't. Mm. There are mm. there are so many that there are still so many good players, and, and even we, even if we lose Son, that's a and Kane, like. They're massive. You're two goal scorers. They're always going to make a difference. But when you also look at some of the younger players that we have available, there is still a uh, a base for you to work with. That doesn't mean that you have to drop into the doldrums. And I feel like this is where we need the commitment for the, for, irrespective of who the manager is, we need the commitment for the club to actually press the reset button and actively phase out some of these players that aren't good enough and bring in genuine starting caliber players. But anyway, this yeah. is this is this has been a really really interesting chat, man. Um, thanks for hopping on, Dave. Um, I'm sure we will see the managerial merry-go-round initiate, if oh, yeah. not weeks, then months. Um, so listen, we've been <laughs> we ain't new to this. 
we had to experience this last season, remember? Um, right. Or the summer before last season right. with Nuno, 72 days of pain. So we ain't new to this. So um, let's We're just... Just getting go. started, man. Yeah. Cranking up the engines, boy. That's, that's enough the fax, fax oh, machine. God, please. <laughs> All I'm saying is this. I do not want to see Ryan Mason in that dugout. Let it not be the case. But anyway, Dave, thanks for hopping on. For people who are still listening, make sure you follow the New Spurs Order on Instagram and Twitter. Make sure you're following the the, the main um, pod socials, so Touchline Fracker on YouTube, Instagram and Twitter. One word, don't wear it out. Um, it's been Tapping Tobes, it's been Dave, and we will speak to you soon. Take care and bless. What a finish for 3-2 from Serge Aurier. Good area for Spurs. Wow, what a goal. Harry Kane, that is exceptional. Try and place it. Wonderfully taken by Eric Lamella. Never afraid to take on a shot, and with good reason. Terry the Burnley back line, and Son breaks forward. Oh, wow, what a run. Yermin Son from inside his own half has scored one of the best goals of his Spurs career. Sports Social Podcast Network.